Good morning, everyone. I would uh, reiterate what Joel has already said about the gratefulness we have, the thankfulness to be gathered with you this morning. Um, There's just something about worshiping with other people uh, in the way that we just did, Uh, whether we're in the same room, like those of us who are here were, or whether we're separated by time and space. Uh, There's just something about worshiping with God's people that in the midst of chaos, kind of makes everything right. Um, so uh, grateful that you tuned in to be a part of worship with us this morning. As we continue uh, looking at uh, God's word, we're going to be in the book of Galatians this morning. If you have a Bible around you, I would encourage you to open up to Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. That is where we are going to be as we get things started this morning. If you ask anyone who lives a consistently physically healthy lifestyle, they will talk to you about certain key habits, certain keystone habits that allow them to uh, to build all the other healthy habits on those particular foundational issues. And one that I see almost universally in those who have for decades lived healthy lifestyles is a somewhat a relative early wake-up time. Uh, They usually get a lot of the things done for self-care done in the morning before a lot of other people are awake, uh, before work comes calling for them or before their children come calling for them, before the needs of the day start to uh, come and and just assault them. Uh, They find a way to wake up early to make some of these foundational habits happen. I know many people who I would consider physically healthy and live a physically healthy lifestyle who wake up at 5 a.m. or earlier in order to hit the gym or in order to spend some time with the Lord before everything else in the day gets going. But that kind of habit takes a long time to develop. Uh, It doesn't just suddenly happen. Uh, And for any of us who remember the days of our teen years or our college years, probably more so college than teen, uh, our, our script was usually flipped. Um, if we were going to press the, 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 the candle of the day at one end, uh, it was going to be at the end of the day, not at the beginning of the day. We might see 3, 4, or 5 a.m., but it would be uh, because we've been awake all night. Uh, many of us might remember that kind of lifestyle from college. I used to jokingly say uh, to my roommate and others uh, when it would come time to do papers that I do my best thinking after midnight. Um, I kind of I said it jokingly. I kind of halfway minute when I was in college is almost like a badge of honor. Uh, but as I've gotten older, 37 now, as of earlier this week, uh, late 30s, uh, I'm beginning to realize that that is not the case. I don't do my best thinking after midnight anymore. I've been a night owl most of my life, but one of the habits that I know I'm going to have to create. One of the habits that I know I'm going to have to make something that's consistent in the days to come if I really want to live a holistically healthy life is to wake up earlier. And when I say earlier, I mean earlier than, this is relative to different people, earlier than my kids are awake, earlier than the needs of work come calling. Now, many diet programs start with some sort of cleanse or some sort of detox period for a reason. Because in order to start making these foundationally healthy habits, we have to first exorcise, uh, like we would with a demon, exorcise, pull out some of the unhealthy habits that are at work in our life. And the habit of being a night owl runs contrary to the habit of being someone who wakes up early in the morning. Uh, Your body, especially as it ages, is simply not able to do both very well any longer. 
And by removing those toxic substances or those toxic habits for our lives, we put ourselves in a much better place and a much better position to create healthy habits. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the idea of detox, of taking out unhealthy habits and replacing them with healthy ones. So far in our Body and Soul series, we started with uh, not a foundational habit, but a foundational truth that we are pre-approved by God just the way that we are. That we can do nothing, nor do we have anything, uh, nor could we do anything if we wanted to, to earn God's favor. Uh, A favor given to us simply by the gift of grace, simply because God decided to give us that favor through his son Jesus. We're not going to change that with anything that we do. Uh, No matter how healthy we become, no matter how unhealthy we become, God will not love us any more or any less based upon our actions. We are pre-approved by God. We just get to accept that love or reject it. That is the option that is available to us when it comes to salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Then we looked at from that foundation of being pre-approved by God, we know that God's desire is to make us look more like him. Uh, to, on this earth, mold us more into the image of his son so that he might work through us, so that we might have a more abundant life on this earth, so that we might uh, do work for him and, and, and work for others and love for others around us. And the way that we start that kind of process is we begin to look at the issues in our life with an understanding that God loves us anyway, but also an understanding that this is keeping us from getting to where we think God wants us to be. So last week we talked about naming the monsters. Uh, And kind of the natural outflow of that is once we've named the monsters, once we've seen the habits, once we've seen the addictions, once we've seen the behaviors or the thought processes that lead us away from who we know God wants us to be, once we've named those monsters, now we can work on detoxifying ourselves, on removing those monsters. The first step to building healthy habits is killing unhealthy habits. That's the first step in building healthy habits is killing unhealthy habits. And again, we're going to look at this through the lens of Paul's words to the Galatians, uh, a a book in which Paul doesn't mess around and is usually very straight to the point. Galatians chapter five, verses 16 through 24, um, a passage that many of you may have committed to memory or at least the last part of it, Paul dealing with the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. But before we dive into that, I'm gonna pray together once more. Father, we thank you for today. And God, we thank you for the gift of worship and community and being together, even as we are separated. Uh, God, we, we look forward to a couple of weeks from now, but God, we're, we're grateful for today. Uh, God, we're grateful for being the God that we can sing these wonderful songs to, being the God whose truth we can read and apply in our lives. God, we're, we're grateful that you have invited us uh, into your family uh, and, and that you're willing to give us peace, that you're willing to give us truth, willing to give us joy and celebration in the midst of a difficult time. God, may you, in the midst of a difficult and chaotic season, God, may you clear the cobwebs away and help us to, for just a moment on this Sunday morning, focus on what you have for us this morning. God, we know that when your word leaves you, it does not come back to you void. So God, I pray that you would use your word to build your kingdom through us. And I ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Again, Galatians chapter five, verses 16 through 24. 
This is really in the midst of a conversation about division within the church because they were allowing unhealthy forces, factors, people to build unhealthy habits within them. So this is what Paul says to the church in Galatia. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." To Paul, there are two ways of living that are diametrically opposed to one another, living through the works of the flesh and living through the spirit. He first deals in the passage that we read with the negative side, with the side that is not drawing us closer to God, and that is the side that comes from the works of the flesh. Paul is using a Greek word here, and the Greek word is sarks. Uh, and Sark's by its very nature connotes a, the sinful nature of humanity. It, it's not flesh just in the sense of, of, of skin, uh, just in the sense of, of, of how we physically exist or, or the, the, the shells in which we physically exist. No, Sark's also kind of had a, like a, a soul aspect to it as well where it meant the fleshly way of doing things, the worldly way of living, uh, the sinful nature that is within all of us that is set in opposition to the Spirit of God, that which opposes the good works, the fruit of the Spirit that God is trying to do in us. They keep you from accomplishing what you want to do. That's what Paul said. He said, this is the work that's going on within you, the spirit and the flesh fighting against one another and the works of the flesh, the, the works of sarks, the works of the world are seeking to keep you from doing what we know you want to do. And so that's kind of what we're talking about in our process for any kind of health, physical, spiritual, mental. We all know what we want to do. And most Christians don't want to do disobedient things. Uh, Christians, I, I would say not most, all Christians want to live in an obedient way. Now we all define how that looks differently, but we would all say we want to follow Jesus. We want to look more like Jesus. Uh, we want to love like Jesus. We want to serve like Jesus. We want to do uh, life like Jesus would do life. This is something that is in the heart of every Jesus follower. But we also know that within all of us is this Sarks, this flesh, this thing that pulls us away from what we want to do. Because even though we want to do it, there's times when we don't want to do it. I, I know that doesn't make sense, but that really kind of gets at the ethos of, of, of Paul's description here in Galatians as well as in other places. I'm always reminded when I read this passage of Paul's passage to the Romans in Romans chapter 7, where he goes back and forth between I want to do the good thing, but I end up doing the bad thing. I don't want to do the bad thing, but I end up doing the bad thing. I do what I don't want to do, and what I want to do doesn't get done. And it's this kind of confusing back and forth 
with Paul, but I think that the, the, like the, the, the energy of it, the chaotic nature that he kind of describes it is a good word picture for how it works out in our lives. We have this that we want to do, but there's a part of us that doesn't want to do it even though we want to do it. And that part of of us that doesn't want to do it is what Paul would call the flesh, working against and set in opposition to the fruit of the Spirit at work in our lives. These keep us from accomplishing what we want to accomplish, what we know God wants to accomplish in us. The works of the flesh only serve to further separate you from God and his will for your life. The works of the flesh all seem to, as you, if you go and you read through that passage again, all seem to re- relate to a lack of self-control. Different types of sexual sin that Paul lists, idolatry, fits of anger, jealousy, drunkenness. These are all things where our self, our flesh, if you will, is out of control. Where we are not keeping uh, ourselves within the boundaries that we want to keep ourselves in the boundaries. The life that is defined by the works of the flesh is absent of not only the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit of God, but also the inheritance of this kingdom of God. Paul tells us, as he does in other passages, that, you know, and he, he, he says, I've, I've told you this before, those of you who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's always a scary thing um, when we read that. Because if you're anything like me, especially when I was... Uh, a teenager and a college student, I was reading through this and, and I had my mind racked by guilt. <clears throat> I would read that and I would think, well, well, I'm out of luck, you know, because I, uh, I don't have the self-control that I wish I had. Uh, you know, I have these, these sins in my head and, and things that I do that I know aren't right, that I know aren't what the spirit wants me to do. So I must not be inheriting the kingdom of God. I think that's reading a little too legalistically in what Paul is saying. Martin Luther dealt with this tension as well, and what always saved him was that phrase, what, what allowed him to move out of that position of fearfulness that he was going to lose his salvation was that phrase, it keeps us from doing what we want to do. Those of us who are saved by Jesus, there is still within us that desire that need to want to be in line with Jesus's teaching. And while we might uh, sin in ways that are destructive, while we might sin in ways that are flesh-driven, it doesn't kill the spirit within us. The spirit still has play in our life, even in our worst possible times, calling us out of that sin and back in the, in, into a life aligned under Christ. The life that is defined by these works is the kind of life that doesn't inherit the kingdom of God. In a way, living according, living only according to the works of the flesh is a rejection of God's freely given gift of, of salvation. Living a life defined by this behavior is different, not the same as sinning on an occasional mistake, with an occasional mistake. Even if that mistake is habitual, even if it's something you struggled with for years, it, it's not what defines you. You're defined by your pursuit of God, by your, your, your salvation in God that is calling you out of that. And even if you struggle with that particular sin for the rest of your life, it doesn't mean that you won't inherit the kingdom of God because you are a child of the Spirit. But it is, again, indicative of that constant battle within us. And what we do know for sure is that that part of us will not proceed with us into the kingdom of heaven. Um, that it will, be, it will be taken care of by the purifying fire of God's grace where he removes that stuff from us before we are in perfection with him in heaven where we can live perfectly according to the spirit. But here on earth, we have that battle still going on. 
And how do we choose to live according to the fruit of the Spirit rather than the works of the flesh? Think about that idea, the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. Most of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit are elsewhere attributed to God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. Those things are elsewhere in Scripture normally attributed to God. And so it goes back to this idea of looking like Jesus. A life lived in the Spirit is one spent imitating Christ. Whereas the works of the flesh come to us through a lack of self-control, the fruit of the Spirit comes to us from a common desire to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others, to sacrifice our own flesh, our own worldly wants and desires so that we might pursue Jesus and through him love others well. Patience, kindness, faithfulness, all of those things are about the way that we respond to other people. And even self-control has some aspect of the way that we handle our lives with others and the way that we love them. Again, though, notice that Paul calls the life lived in the flesh one of work, the works of the flesh. And the life lived in the spirit is one of fruit, the fruit of the spirit. Work, that leaves the connotation of striving, of originating with ourselves, originating with humanity. We are doing the work of the flesh. We are... Uh, producing that on our own. That is about us. That comes from us. That comes from our fleshly desires, from our humanity. It is a work of the flesh, but fruit of the spirit. We don't produce that. It's the spirit that produces that. And as you look at it as fruit, we get to reap the fruit. And when that fruit is harvested, what it produces within us, what God produces the fruit, we harvest the fruit, and in us that looks like peace, peace, patience, kindness, you know, so on and so forth. It looks like the fruits of the Spirit that Paul listed. Those who live by Christ in the Spirit are not producing it of their own, but are reaping the fruit that God has already done, that God has already produced through Jesus Christ. And we have therefore, Paul goes on to say, crucified the flesh. Crucified, that means we have killed, we have exterminated, we have evicted, we have exorcised the works of the flesh within our body. Those who follow Christ and live in the spirit consistently say no to the works of the flesh so that they might say yes to the fruit of the spirit. They say no to the works of the flesh so that the work of the flesh might not have control over them any longer. Again, the first step to building healthy habits is killing unhealthy habits. Imagine going into... Imagine purchasing a house, not building one your own, but purchasing a house from someone else. Uh, and you go in, the, the closing date's already passed, you're ready to move everything in, and you go in with the, the U-Haul truck and, and you pull up to the driveway and you go in and the previous owner's stuff is still all over the place. All their furniture, uh, their belongings, personal effects, uh, all of that stuff is just left. Maybe there was a miscommunication on closing day, who knows. But for whatever reason, all of their stuff is left. You're not going to go back to the U-Haul truck and get your couch and sit it on top of theirs or right beside theirs. Uh, you're not going to get your stuff and set it in the house with their stuff because it's just going to be a big you know, room full of junk because there's not enough space to hold all that stuff. 
Instead, you're going to figure out what the problem is, and you're going to make sure that that old stuff is taken out so that you can then put the new stuff in, your stuff in. Uh, That's what it looks like within us. If we want to be ruled by the fruit of the Spirit, by what God has done in us, we need to be in the process of evicting those spiritual, physical, mental habits that are taking us further away from God. Everything from what we put in our body, what we consume, uh, what we do with our bodies, the way we exercise, what's in our thought mind, the way that we think, uh, what we do with our own spiritual walk with Christ. There might be habits that need to be removed before we can really put good habits in. Just like as we started out with the idea, it's really hard to set a consistent wake up early in the morning routine if you're going to bed at 2 or 3 a.m. every night. It's really hard to do that. Not that everyone has to do that, but if that's what you want to do, that's a hard habit to make if you're also burning the candle at the other end, at the late end of the spectrum. But the first step to building healthy habits is to kill unhealthy habits. And so let me ask the question of you today. What work of the flesh do you need to evict from your life? As we work through this body and soul study, let's look at it from both perspectives. Is it unhealthy eating? Is it a lack of exercise? Is it a failure to rest? You might be like me and say, yes, 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 on those three things. Those are things that we need to evict from our lives. Is it soul related? Is there an issue with idolatry in your life? What, what else in your world are you making a God Are you neglecting your relationship with Christ? Other willful sin that you commit, what soul-related issues need to be evicted from your life so that you might replace them with good habits? You risk failing at creating a healthy habit if you don't first detoxify from the old habits. But if you crucify the works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit will have fertile ground in which to take root and grow healthy habits, healthy fruit in your life. Now, before we close all this out, let me give a word of reasonability and realistic reality. Um, A habit is a habit because we've done it for a long time. Uh, depending on who you read, there's, there's a lot of different things that say how long it takes to create a habit. I think the one I see most commonly is about 40 days. If you do something every day for 40 days, then it becomes a habit. But many of you know you've done that, and then you've fallen out of even those habits. Uh, and the, the sticky thing about habits is that there's a lot of the, per, the good habits, it's like you have to work really hard to create them, and the bad habits just kind of happen. Right, You just find yourself in a habit. That's kind of what a habit is, a, a routine that you go through enough where it just becomes rote. It's why if you travel down a road, you've traveled down, uh, for, you know, traveled down that same road for 30 years, you can get from point A to point B and not remember anything else in between because the part of your brain that controls habit takes over uh, and you're just kind of able to check out you know, the other parts of your brain uh, and just let the habit brain take, uh, get you where you need to be. Uh, that's how habits become reality. And so I'm not suggesting that detoxifying our habits is going to be an easy thing. I'm not suggesting that you can, here on Sunday morning, kneel in prayer uh, while the, the, the last song is playing here in just a moment, and that you can say one prayer, God, um, please, please take the habit of judgmentalism towards my best friend away from me. And that boom, it's going to be gone. No, it, it's going to come back. And so there's a, there's a place where my metaphor of moving someone else's stuff out falls apart. 
Because if you move someone else's stuff out, it's very unlikely that they're going to knock on your door a week later and say, hey, I'm moving my stuff back in. Uh, Metaphor falls apart of that reality. And so maybe then we kind of have to move that metaphor into when a pest invades your house. Uh, When it's an animal or a bug and you have to call the bug guy to come take care of it. Um, you, You have to constantly be evicting. You have to constantly be detoxifying because there is that sarks, that flesh part of you that wants, from a worldly perspective, from the, the respect perspective of the evil one, that wants to keep you from doing what you want to do. You want to live a holistically healthy lifestyle. You want to honor God with your mind, body, soul, spirit. You want to do all of that, but there's a part of you that just inherently does not. And we must be constantly evicting that, constantly reminding that part of us that it can't keep us from doing what we want to do. Because I alluded to Romans 7 earlier. At the end of that passage, Paul thanks God. Uh, At the end of this this horrific passage about I can't do what I want to do, what I don't want to do is what I end up doing, but thanks be to God is the way he closes that passage because he then moves into Romans 8 and reminds us that there is no condemnation for those of us who follow Jesus. There is no condemnation for us. We can be free from those habits. We can be free from the works of the flesh. We can live in the fruit of the spirit. Anyone who would tell you differently is a cynical, jaded, worldly individual who has not seen what change can look like. Change can and does happen And I would encourage you that it can and will happen in your life if you look at it through this perspective, that God wants to do this work in you. He wants to work this fruit in you and he will help you in that process of constantly evicting the works of the flesh. Let's pray together and then I am gonna turn it back over to the band. Father, we thank you and love you for who you are and for what you are doing in us. And God, we seek to be transformed every time that we come into contact with your spirit to be transformed more into the image of your son and God we know that we cannot do that on our own as a matter of fact we know that if it originates from us that it's not of you and so God I pray that you would through your grace and through your sovereignty God that you would do a work in us and God that you would build the fruit of the spirit within us God that you would help us to say no to the things of the flesh, no to the habits we know we need to evict so that you might take root in our life and God, and so that you might bear the work of the spirit in us. I pray that in Jesus' name.